podcast may contain content that is disturbing in nature. Please take care while listening. What's going on? Let your mother know. Your mother wants to know. She's an inquiring mind. Mind. Is it mine or mind? <laughs> Call when you get service. See you. All right. So we are now interviewing Debbie Chetowith, and I had to stop her off the interview because we start talking about too much good stuff. So we'll start from the beginning. yeah. So what I had asked her is how she came on when she came on to the Baltimore County Police Department because I came on in January of 1977 and you came on September of 1977. Right. So I actually have known Debbie since 1977. Now, go into this is hysterical. <laughs> so, when I got my job here in Baltimore County, I was a call director operator. And that was a person that answered a multi-line phone. Right. <clears throat> so, um, and it was funny because back then we had a lot of detectives that had wives and had girlfriends. And everybody would call the numbers I answered everybody's phones yeah. when they were all out on, on the, street the street because that's when detectives were out on the street. Right. And and I used to get everybody mixed up <laughs> and I would tell the guys, please either have your wives call or your girlfriends call. But you can't have both of them call me because it's too confusing. So but anyway, so one day they um decided that they they were gonna start a new program in the county and it was for displaced homemakers, women that had been, you know, raising kids and keeping their house for a long time. This is in 77. And right. they um, they were going to train them, give them job skills. Right. So um, they knew that most of these women would be able to answer a phone. And mm-hmm. we had one woman that was going to do it during the day and one woman that was going to do it on the 3 to 11 shift because back then we had detectives that worked both, both shifts, shifts right. all the time. Right. So um, they asked me if I could, um, <laughs> if I could file. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can do that. <laughs> and they said, because we need somebody in the fraud. Well, back then it was called the check squad. Mm-hmm. We need somebody in the check squad because there was a detective suitor that was being punished for some reason, something he did. So they moved him to a clerical position until his punishment was up. Right. And, his punishment was up and they needed somebody to take his spot. So, and it just so happened that he was also my best friend's uncle. Okay. So, um, he showed me what to do and mm-hmm. I started doing that. And then they asked me one day if I could make some phone calls and find out if different businesses had gotten restitution on the bad checks they had taken. Mm-hmm. And so I called the businesses and I asked the questions, you know, and right. found out if they had gotten the restitution and so my supervisor at the time said well can you write that up in a supplement to the report I said I don't know can I (laughs) I said I mean I know I can right but can I because Because I'm a civilian officer right Right. so they had to go up the chain of command right and find out if it was okay for me to write a supplement report which Mm -hmm. would just say you know on such and such a date I talked to this person at this business and they had received or had not received restitution for their the bad checks that their store had taken. So um, 
then um, I started doing that. And, of course, I was filing. Uh, right. We had a three-by-five card index. Right. Index file. And right. that was with the suspects' names and the victim. We had a victim's file and a suspect right. file. And we also had a logbook. Right. So we would, I would write in the logbook the cases that I was working on that I had written supplements to or whatever. Plus you were answering all the I phone an- calls was, for all the different detectives. I was still answering the phones. So you obviously, on- <laughs> because of your filing, right. knew everybody's case. <clears throat> right. So, um, <laughs> so one day I was in the office and um, I'm trying to think. I think maybe Walt Coriel might have been. The major? One, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was trying to answer phones and do what I was doing. And our desks at that time were all the way. We were in one big room. It right. was four. It was, oh, my God, it was um, central burglary. It was fraud. It was fugitive. It was um, the uh, auto theft unit. It was like a ton of detectives. And our offices were at the very back. And the phones that had everybody's numbers on them were Mm -hmm. all the way up at the front Mm -hmm. and when the women that were working there like if they had a day off or something I'd have to run back and forth and I I went and told the major I said I can't I can't do this I can't be back there and and be up here too and he said well then you're fired (laughs) and I said well I said can can I wear roller skates in here I said because I can't think of any other way so after everybody went home that night, I moved the desks, <laughs> and I moved all the fraud desks up to where the phones were, and that's why we became the unit that was right, right there, there behind the glassed-in right. little thing where the phone was. So, um, but at any rate, so then eventually they said, well, you know, we have people coming in sometimes, and they need a police report. Can you write a police report? And I said, I don't know. Can I? <laughs> right. And it would go through this whole rigmarole again the about chain of command, you know, right? chain of command, right? And yes, you know, she's allowed to do that. So, little by little, I I got to know a whole lot about um, check fraud and you know the different people that were involved in it and, and the businesses because they're always repeaters. Always Anybody repeaters. that's forging checks, I mean, uh, anything to do with checks is always repeaters because it's a white collar crime, and half the time. Even when you arrest them, they don't get any time. Or if they exactly. do, it's short time. And they come back out, and then what do they do? What they're they right back doing the checks again. And if you watch some of these, um, like, true crime shows mm-hmm. on television, mm-hmm. if they start talking about their background, mm-hmm. an awful lot of people started doing fraud, fraud. before they became murderers or <laughs> robbers or right. anything. You'll always find some kind of fraud in their background, Mm -hmm. even if it was just writing one bad check. Right. But anyway, so I started doing this, you know, and and I got to the point where I was um, known as the check lady because (laughs) officers knew that they could call me because I was the one. officers, yeah. I was the one in the office. Mm -hmm. So they would call and tell me things. And I remember one time we had a, a case where a Baltimore... Um, city school teacher um, she was uh, she lived in lived in the county but she taught school in Baltimore City and the Baltimore City police raided her house in the middle of the night and locked her up for bad checks and her husband kept trying to explain to everybody that she had had she had gone to the gym and had her she left her purse and some of her stuff 
in the car. Right. And it was stolen from the car, and her checkbook was in there, and they had re- reported it to the bank. Right. Which back then it was Mercantile Bank. And um, they had reported her check stolen. And this lady, you know, she didn't write these checks. These right. were her checks that, you know, somebody else was writing. And because right. she had closed her account, they were all mm-hmm. bouncing. So, um, again, I was the only one in the office. And I, the husband called, and he was hysterical about the fact that they had th- <laughs> ripped his wife out of the house right. in the middle Wally. of the night. Threw her in jail in, right. in the city. Right. And, you know, he was trying to, to bail her out and all this stuff. <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, hold on. Let me see what I can do. So I called the bank. And I said, um, you know, we've got a problem because, you know, this lady's been locked up and she's reported that her checks were stolen. Right. And they said, okay, well, let us see what we can do. We'll, you know, try to backtrack and get it taken care of right and so i and this the husband had said i have tried to talk to the city about this i've called you know i called the precinct i called this place i called that place nobody can help me so i made phone calls to the Mm -hmm. people that i dealt with on a daily basis which was the bank people right and i said you got to quash this warrant because Mm -hmm. it's it's not this lady she's you know been wrongly accused you know her checks were stolen she reported it she did everything right right and i said and she's an an upstanding citizen you know that didn't do anything wrong so by the end of the day the wife was out of jail the charges were dropped everything was taken care of and the husband said how he said or something about are you a police officer i said no i'm just a clerk (laughs) and he said well how come a clerk in baltimore county could do what you did, get my wife off the hook, get her out <laughs> right. of jail, get the warrant right. quashed, have everything taken care of. Mm-hmm. When I've talked to police officers, I've talked to supervisors, nobody could do anything. I said, I can't tell you the answer to that other than I just knew the people to call right. and make the right calls. And when you came to me, right. you were just lucky enough to get somebody that could do that. It could have been anybody. But he took that story to Michael Olesker, okay, who wrote right. the column in the Baltimore Sun. I think right. he was in the Sun, right? I think so. Or was he in the News American? One of the newspapers right. back then. One of the two. <clears throat> and um, he he also wanted to talk to me. And when he called mm-hmm. the police department to talk to me, um, my super I told my supervisor, and he said, no, you're not talking to anybody <laughs> in the press. <laughs> so they wouldn't let me talk. But... The, the newspaper, you know, he still wrote something about, you know, how come a civilian in mm-hmm. the Baltimore County Police Department could do something that the police couldn't? So it was like a big, oh, my God, what did I do? So in 1977, when you first came on as a civilian, then, and you're doing all these type of jobs, you're already, you're basically doing the job that detectives can't do because they're out on the road, and some of them because you know more than they do because you've been doing it for so long. When did it turn, when did the time period come in where you became something more than a civilian and mainly because of everything you were doing? Right. Well, through the years, it became obvious that, you know, I I was getting very good at what I was doing because mm-hmm. I would ask questions. If I didn't know an answer about something, I'd go to somebody. Right. So one day, my captain, and I think it was, um, it might have been um, Engel. Okay. Dick Engel. Dick Engel. Okay. Um, <clears throat> said, guy. Debbie, we have to give you a title. And I said, well, I don't need a title. I just 
need to be able to do what I do. And he said, right. no, he said, we got to find something for you. So they... Classification, a different a cl- one. A classification. Right. right. <laughs> so they they looked far and wide. Mm-hmm. And I think Mark Fiedler might have had something to do with it okay. at the time. Okay. And um, they found out that in California, there are a lot of little towns in the desert areas mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, that are that aren't um, financially able to right. sustain a police department. Right. So what they have are people that they, they're called police service officers. Mm-hmm. They can um, investigate property crimes, which mm-hmm. fraud is a, considered right. a property crime. Right. And they could do like burglaries mm-hmm. or destruction of properties and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if a um, serious crime occurred mm-hmm. in their little town or jurisdiction, um, homicide, rapes, you know, armed robberies or anything like that, they would have to call in the, the closest, or yeah, closest right. large police agency, whether it was um, the California Highway mm-hmm. Patrol or the, you know, the state troopers or right. a police department, sheriff's right. department right. in another town that had detectives right. and things like that to come in. But these police service officers were able to do everything that the police could do, mm-hmm. but they didn't carry guns. They were able mm-hmm. to investigate and do what they had to do. Mm-hmm. So um, that would have been, um, uh, Neil Bean was still our chief then. Right. right. So he decided that he would have this, they would make me a police service officer, but they didn't want to make just one. Mm-hmm. So um, I worked in the Economic crime. I think by that time we were up to economic, economic crimes, crimes. Probably mm-hmm. they change our name all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was a, another um, a guy, Jimmy um, Jimmy Miller, right. and he worked in with burglary, and mm-hmm. he did the pawn, pawn unit shop, stuff. Right. Right. So they figured that his job was similar to mine because he had to know all the laws about the pawn shops mm-hmm. and go out and right. you know talk to the pawn people and help the officers when they needed something from one of the pawn shops. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy and I were going to be upgraded to this position. Right. And then they decided that just two of us wasn't enough, that they wanted to have several people, and they wanted us to be trained the same way that the police were trained. So they put it out as a... Um, Probably an SOP or something, yeah, or something. That, you know, if you wanted, well, anybody, wanted, anybody to apply, wanted to apply, civilians, or, obviously. And I think they mm-hmm. they actually advertised it because of, I maybe think on some the county the, site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up getting four more people um, that were interested in this position. So those people, Margaret Kaczynskis, um, Robin, I don't remember what Robin's name was yeah. back then, yeah. Robin Anderson. Right. Um Joe Bratton and Donna Cook. Mm-hmm. Now, Donna Cook's father was uh, Corporal McGreer. Oh, McGreer, yeah. And Margaret already oh, worked in Central Records. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin's brother-in-law was Don Fouts, who was in our okay. domestic abuse unit back then. Right. And um, Joe Bratton, I think, had uh, had a family member that was in the police department. So all of us, you know, had some connection with the and police And you guys already. were put through how many weeks of training after? We went through, I think it was six weeks. weeks. We didn't have to do the running and Right, the, you didn't have to do the, the physical, the physical you don't stuff. do the gun but and we, the driving either, I'm assuming. 
No. Probably not, yeah. No. So. Well, back then, you had to, if you drove a county car. But you still had, car, to, have, you had to have a. Because Dick Han gave me my driver's Yeah, because you still had to have a we, the yeah, you, police department license. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that was just be being a regular civilian. Because right. right. remember, I used to have to take um, uh, um, Deputy Chief Adams. Oh, jeez. I used to have to go pick up his cleaning and stuff like that and get his car washed for him all the time. Oh, this was so in the I had 70s. Ha- yeah, yeah, so I had to have yeah. a, a license to do that, <clears throat> a police department license. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, so we went through the academy. We did everything that the regular police recruits would do mm-hmm. as far as, um, you know, when we had criminal law, we had um, juvenile law. They even had you ride along, didn't they? They even had you ride along with the patrol officers? No. During your training, no? No. Was it afterwards? Because um, I thought you were at Woodlawn. Well, I, they sent I, well, you to well that Woodlawn. was a whole other story. Oh, okay. <laughs> we won't so, get into that one yet then. So, we... Um, we t- so, you need the, to know... The funny thing basically was... Basically, all the, the schooling type thing that we would right. have to go through in the Yeah, because it was report writing. Mm-hmm. It was everything. Mm-hmm. And we did go to the range. We shot mm-hmm. guns. We took the guns apart. You did know. you really? Oh, yeah. And because, see, the... The guys we had back then, it was Tommy Reagan and mm-hmm. and um, Bruce, I um, can't remember his name. Yeah. The guys that were down there, they didn't, there was no curriculum for us. Right. I thought you made up the curriculum. Well, as I we did. Every day as we <laughs> went along. you had along. to tell them, you need so, to do this. So one day we went to court mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, Testifying. the fact that we would have to, te- it, we, mm-hmm. there's a possibility we would have to testify at some time. Mm-hmm. Um we went to to the range and shot guns, and we changed flat tires. Mm-hmm. I mean, things that you would think that people would how to to use a flare because mm-hmm. I said, you know, a lot of people don't know how to start a flare. Yeah. So let's let's do that one day. But we did, you know, we did, and we were down the academy all mm-hmm. day long, just like the recruits were. Mm-hmm. And um, so at the end of the, uh, we were all first responders. Right. Um, so, um, you know, at the end of the, the six weeks, we, um, had, um, uh, a graduation ceremony. Well, before that, I had my little thing with, <laughs> with the chief right. in the yeah. classroom. Yeah. I, I told, <laughs> I didn't think that we should wear uniforms that looked like the officers. Yeah, you shouldn't because you guys are and, armed. Right. And That's our a whole issue shirts with cadets and everything, too. yeah, had mm-hmm. just Baltimore County police on them. Right. And I didn't think that was a good idea. And because I, I made a comment about that, the deal was that I was supposed to go right back to my unit as soon as we graduated. Right. But instead, the chief sent us all to Woodlawn for field training. Right. So um, I learned where all the best places to eat <laughs> In Woodlawn, in Woodlawn were. were, yeah, and I learned about the cemetery because one of the guys would go in the cem- to the cemetery every night and read the newspaper, <laughs> and when I rode with him, I would sit at the cemetery. And the big thing for them at Woodlawn was when they found out that I was coming there, mm-hmm. they go, "Oh my God, Debbie, you can sit on the desk because back then the people would come oh, in with liquor stores, grocery stores." Right. Restaurants, they would come in with handfuls of bad right. checks and right. need police reports written. <laughs> and I was in my glory because I didn't have a problem doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so I would sit there and, right. and write the check reports. Um, so at the end of my punishment with everybody else, um, 
I ended up going back to headquarters. Mm -hmm. Jimmy went back to headquarters to the mm -hmm. pawn unit, and the other four stayed in Woodlawn mm -hmm. um, and worked through there for um, probably most of the rest of their time. I don't. Think, I think on the job. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole time they were. There. So, do you remember what year that was? <clears throat> that would that have you been. Guys went in, I, I'm pretty sure it was like eighty five, eighty six. Okay. But the only last thing I want to end this with is, so what were your impressions of me all these years? Because, I mean, I'm just as someone that's known me for my 40-year career. Well, I mean, you were kind of a, um, <laughs> you were one of a kind when you came on here. <laughs> I mean, well, when, when you figure that my, when I first came, the mm -hmm. only person, the only female that I knew that was a police woman right was linda Busick. that's a she was hired as a police woman yep, right in the 70s. and she wore a dress right. and heels and gun was in her purse gun was in her purse <laughs> yeah. and, uh, god love her that's just the way they were yeah that's the way they were supposed but, to be but you were like the real deal i mean <laughs> you were you were one of the guys mm -hmm. and seeing that's the way i've always felt yes. i'm one of the guys yes. i don't i don't like the i'm not a girly girl you're not right. a girly girl mm -hmm. you know you were first in cope riding mm -hmm. the motorcycles first female you know so you did a lot of things mm -hmm. you know in your career that mm -hmm. you know were unusual for right. a female to be and and we didn't have a lot of females no. at the time well the funny thing is and with you too i don't remember thinking that you and i were unusual we just no. like doing this stuff yep it wasn't until years later when people started asking us well what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that it's like, and was there, I mean, really, it didn't even dawn on me all those years that we were the first of anything just right. because we were just having so much darn fun doing this stuff. And it's like, I mean, nobody said we couldn't do it. Right. Well, I mean, and for years, even um, doing the, the fraud stuff, mm -hmm. I worked with um, <clears throat> one of the, the girls that was a security person at mm -hmm. Mars Supermarket. She right. had been a Baltimore City cop and right. had left policing because, right. you know, she saw that it was going in a direction she didn't like particularly. Mm -hmm. And um, her and I would go down in the worst parts of Baltimore City, right. not even thinking. Right. I mean, and, and I always, I'm the kind of person that no matter who I locked up no matter who I was interrogating. Mm -hmm. I don't care if they had just crawled out of a garbage can. Mm -hmm. The first thing I ever did was I stuck out my hand and said, mm -hmm. hi, I'm Debbie Chenoweth and, mm -hmm. and your name is. Mm -hmm. And the look on people's faces, it would be like, she wants to shake my hand. Right. And and it, it kind of threw them off their game right. at that point because I was actually being nice and treating them like a human. Cause we and were that's like... what upsets me about the way some people treat mm -hmm. other people today well know? and you don't the thing is in the cop shows the old old time cop shows good cop bad cop yes how about you know you usually get more information if you're nice to the person Absolutely. i don't care how big of a dirt ball they are if you're nice to them then you do take them off guard because you know they know they're in there for right. something they did i'll never forget with bill my bill brady mm -hmm. when he was in homicide i watched his interview with him and his partner mike 
and they acted like they were the the guy's best friends and angels committed a murder but then you think about it it's like well if you go in there screaming and howling who's going to tell you anything exactly <laughs> exactly like, yeah i mean so it's basically common sense right i mean and it's like some people have it and some people don't Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so others can find our show. As always, sorry for the pitter-patter of puppy feet in much of the audio. Did you get that? If not, I'll repeat it. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so others can find our show. As always, sorry for the pitter-patter of puppy feet in much of the audio.